0: Lexus LF430. The Toyota MR2 Sports Car. Everything keeps going right. Toyota. Lexus, the result of our relentless pursuit of perfection. Oh, what a feeling. Toyota.
1: Toyota. Let's go places.
0: I'm back from vacation and we have another awesome episode of Toyota Untold for you today. And while I'm back from
1: vacation, Kelsey is about to head off on vacation. So we're excited to bring you this next episode. But in the meantime, Kelsey, are excited for a vacation? I'm literally so excited. I think that we've said this before. Tyler and I both work in social and it can be, uh, what's the word? It can be challenging at times, and so we all need a little break. And it's summer, so I need to be on a beach somewhere, and I'm right. headed there this week, so I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. And I just came back from a lake, so I'm tagging you out, tagging me back in,
0: and uh, we're going to keep this social train going. But today we have an awesome episode
1: for you, and so without further ado, you're listening to Toyota Untold. I'm Tyler, and I'm Kelsey. So on today's episode, we're talking about how the cars we drive are such large parts of our lives. And it's no surprise how often they form the backbone of human stories like the one we're exploring today. So on this episode, we're talking to Josh Brooks, who has an incredibly unique story to tell about the role Toyota has played in his life. This is a little bit of a change of pace for Toyota Untold, so forget what you think you know about the show. This episode cuts deep to the emotional bonds we form with and around our cars. Josh joins us all the way from Bath, England. And by the way, we're going to be popping in from time to time to explain some of those British-isms you'll hear in our conversation. A lifelong Toyota enthusiast, Josh's love of the Starlet was no secret to his social circle.
0: My friend Jason worked at a local bakery and he messaged me one day to say, you should see the car that's just pulled up outside my work.
1: That car was a Toyota Starlet, specifically a 1979
0: KP62. He sent me a photo and I said, yeah, I can remember the car. I can remember it being about when I was young and when I was walking back from school and stuff like that. And uh, he said, yeah, it's just some little old lady that, that owns it that comes up every Thursday just to get a load of scraps to feed her chickens that she's got in her garden.
1: So what was it about the Starlet that made such an impression on Josh?
0: I grew up around Starlets as my dad had his his own Toyota approved dealership. And my dad actually raced them in what they call autographs racing. Even at the age of seven, I was I was driving the, these my dad's race car in and out of the workshop at night. He he taught me how to drive literally when I was seven around a field and I could do clutch control and stuff. And there's me like resting on the front of the seat because it is bolted in solid because it's a race seat driving this car. And that's literally where it started from. And I thought, you know, i got, I got to have a start one day.
1: The car was a huge part of his life. So when his friend sent him the photo, Josh wanted to go a step further than just simply admiring it.
0: We had a little conversation about it when I seen him I thought, you know, you know do you reckon you'd be able to, to see if she'd ever sell it to me? And he said, well, I'll, I'll ask her. But nothing really ever stemmed from that. I was working nights, probably sort of three or four months after we'd spoke about this car. And luck would have it. I was driving through Midsummer Norton High Street in the morning, and I seen the car, and I thought, do you know what? This might be the only chance I've got. So I turned around, and I followed her into Sainsbury's.
1: Sainsbury's is a well-known supermarket chain in the UK. So sensing his chance to buy the car, Josh embarked on a harmless mini-stakeout.
0: And I sat there, Creepily, waited for her to come back out with her shopping and then sort of followed her home, you know. And uh, I left it 10 minutes and let her settle down. I wrote my name and my number on a piece of paper and sort of carefully knocked on the door so I wouldn't alarm her. Just told her the situation, just said, Look, I absolutely love your car. Like, I don't think you understand how much I love your car. Here's my name and my number. If you ever want to sell it, just let me know and I will come and get it. And she said, really i said yeah she said do you want to see it properly and i was like well yeah okay so then she she walked out and she opened the garage for me and had a little look round, and i was just literally like anyone with an old car with a carburetor on it would know exactly what i'm talking about now if you lift the garage door that initial smell you get from an older car being sat in the garage it's just yeah, and that, that was the moment that I knew that I, you know, this, this is it. I've definitely, definitely, definitely got to have this car.
1: It was the beginning of a unique friendship, as Josh volunteered his mechanical knowledge to help the woman anytime she wanted.
0: Ada was her nickname. She was actually cussing at the fact that someone had just charged her 50 pounds to change the battery. She took it to a local garage and they changed the battery for her because, like I said, she used it once a week on a Thursday. And, and obviously it was just taking the life out of the battery. So she'd gone somewhere and she said, you, you wouldn't believe I just had to pay 50 pounds to have the battery replaced. But I jumped into action and said, well, you know what, if you ever need any more work, do it, don't pay anyone. Just, you've got my number, give me a call and I'll do it.
1: One of the things that struck Josh was how great the car's condition was. It was clear that the Starlet was more than just a car to its owner already.
0: She seemed really, really happy, really proud that I was taking an interest in, obviously, her pride, which I was amazed to actually open the door and see some of the plastic still on the door cards from the factory. It it was jagged. It was jagged. If you could imagine you have the bag wrapped around the door card when it comes from the factory, and obviously then Toyota just put the door handle straight on top of it. And screw it on well someone obviously she'd not done anything with it but over the years it had just you know got loose and she sort of ripped off but there was still plastic on the door cards. back seats had never been sat in at this time the car probably would have been like 31 years old and it had done forty-eight thousand miles the service issue was there it had a little bit of what i'd like to call sort of like general welding done that that was just to pass the MOT, literally just patch repairs.
1: That MOT that Josh just mentioned stands for Ministry of Transport. In the UK, cars must pass an annual MOT test to ensure that they're still roadworthy and safe to drive, similar to a smog test, but much more rigorous and widely enforced. Josh felt sparks fly as soon as he saw the starlet. And remember, at this point, he still thought he might be able to convince Ada to sell it to him.
0: It was an instant connection. As soon as she lifted the garage, it was like, yes. You could have had a brand spanking new Ferrari in the garage; it wouldn't interest me. If they'd lifted the garage and there had been a Ferrari one side, you know, and a Maserati the other side, and a Starlet in the middle, I would have been the guy looking at the Starlet. So I'm in the garage and I'm looking around the car. And I'm already sort of writing a list in my head of what I've got to do. Right. So it needs rear arches. It needs a new top mount. It needs this. It needs that. So I'm already planning what I'm going to do with the car.
1: But the purchase never happened.
0: I'd say two years passed and I'd heard nothing. At this point, my mate, Jason, had left where he was working and, and gone self employed. So he was out of the touch with it as well. So I go on holiday with my friends to Europe and i didn't take my phone and i get back from being abroad i've got i've switched my phone on and i've got like a message from jace and i've got sort of four missed calls and the message from jace has said i've been in contact with someone i used to work with at the bakery i thought i'd just let you know that evelyn had passed away and i was like that's terrible i was cut up i then phoned this number that was there And it was her son brian and he had explained the situation to me and uh, said uh, there was a note on the front of the fridge that said if anything ever happens to me you make sure that josh has my car and i was literally speaking like i couldn't speak i had a lump in my throat and i was like do you know what it's literally the nicest things ever anyone's ever done for me so i say to him right okay i'm so sorry really sorry for your loss she was a lovely woman from what i knew of her he said. yeah well come and get the car i'm going to be out there this afternoon come and get the car and i said right okay let me know what you want for it and i'll go draw the money out and he said don't worry about that just come and get the car she wanted you to have the car so just come and get it and i was absolutely speechless so i drive up there which is probably two miles from my house In the cars on the driveway, I shook his hand, nice bloke, Brian, I shook his hand and I drove the car away, took it to my unit. I was was really happy and really excited that I'd got this car, but at the same time, really emotional and really sort of, I just had mixed emotions. I couldn't believe that it actually happened. I couldn't believe that I'd actually got what I wanted, like, because this generally doesn't happen. You know, this is like something you see in a film. You, this doesn't happen, but it's happened. I could just couldn't believe it. And obviously, I was really upset for, for Brian's loss. And, you know, such such a lovely, lovely old lady. She was brilliant. I couldn't believe that she'd done that for me.
1: The car was now his, so Josh got straight to work.
0: So I took it to my unit, which is just five miles from Radstock area. And parked it in the unit because... When I noticed, and this is generally what happens with the older stuff, front caliper was dragging where it wasn't being used that much. I parked it in the unit. My dad unseized the caliper for me uh, and ran it to work and back for a week just to get a feel for it make sure it's all all good. I, I had a Toyota Sleek at the time, and I wanted to get some bodywork done on that. So I thought, right, I'll insure the starter. And I just used it. Literally just used it, just just drove it to work, drove it back. And then I started racing go-karts shortly after that, and I didn't really have any money to do anything with it. So I just kept hold of it, and I put it into a container. I just covered it up and just left it.
1: And that was that. The car sat there untouched for about six years. It was when Josh moved to a different unit that he and Robbie, a friend he shared the unit with, decided that it was finally time to tackle the project of restoring the Starlet.
0: Just thought, right, let's do it. Let's, let's just dig into it. So we stripped it, took all the carpets out, took, took all the glass out, you know, took the doors off, took the wings off and just assessed how bad it was. And it really wasn't that bad at all. It seemed a bit strange. It's, all the corrosion had gone down the driver's side, to so the right-hand side of the car.
1: The car was corroded down the driver's side, but in perfect condition on the side of the passenger. It's a mystery to this day, although Josh has his series.
0: I'd have a decent explanation for it if it was on the left-hand side, because they generally say that when you're driving down the road, and obviously we drive on the left-hand side of the road, so all, all the debris gets shot to the, towards the pavement, towards the curb. And that's, that's where you pick up all the salts and all the, the debris, but it, it wasn't that side so the only thing i can really think of is because she, she always kept it in the garage it was always in the garage the only thing i can think of is she used to drive it in and the right hand side of the car would be on the outside of the garage which was colder than the left hand side which was against the the wall that met the house i might be talking complete rubbish but that's, that is literally the only thing I can think of. It, it, she didn't do a lot of mileage in it. She she literally only drove it around Radstock area and obviously down to Glastonbury to see her son. But, yeah, know, that I can't answer.
1: Corrosion aside, the car still needed a lot of work.
0: The left-hand side was fine, apart from the rear wheel arch. It, we pulled the wing off and I had some corrosion on the the inner wing, like the structural part of the... The front clip, the top mount was rusty and, and been patch repaired. There was a hole in the driver's foot, and the rear inner and outer seals, rear inner and outer pockets, had gone on both. But apart from that, the seals are actually good. do tell a lie. They were gone slightly at the back of the seals. Sort of, I, I class that as part of the wear. I found a mattress. We turn it on its side. I stripped all the all the sealer and everything off the underneath, so to bare metal. And yeah, I just just got working on it, and obviously I'm a, I'm a welder fabricator anyway at the time. So I you know I, I fabricated it back together from nothing, you know, like the four link rear setup on the star on the axle. I had to drill the spot wells on one of those mounting points and remove that, rebuild all the underneath of that, put it back together. Yeah, I managed to source some rear wheel arches for it, which wasn't easy. So we replaced the rear wheel arches, we replaced the in, inner wheel arches, rear pockets inner and outer, rear sills inner and outer, and we fabricated a top line for it on the left-hand side.
1: This was turning into a lot of work for someone to undertake in their spare time.
0: I was working shift at the time as well. So I was doing mornings, afternoons, and nights. So I'd only really get over there when I was on mornings. Afternoons, you know, wasn't any good, and nights I was just too tired. But from start to finish, I reckon it probably took me three years.
1: Three years of working on a car is a true labor of love. And it wasn't just Josh putting the work in. That same social circle that knew all about his love of starlets rallied around the project.
0: Dad helped quite a lot. I managed to source a few manuals, which, which helped massively because I haven't just treated the rust or repaired the rust of to completely strip the car everything that didn't have a rubber seal or could be stripped has been powder coated i rebuilt all the brakes all brand new wheel cylinders shoes on the back all new bushes we went through the engine just checked the engine stripped the engine just checked it there was slight damage to the inside of the cylinder head where it looked like it had blown a gasket before but it had been used so it's a slight little bit of detonation on one of the chambers so we changed the cylinder. Yeah, which obviously my, my mate, Dave Andor at D-Way Engine Services, done all the machining on the cylinder head for me so I could get it back to, a, to its former glory. Yeah, dad, dad rebuilt the distributor. Yeah, I've been very fortunate, really. Even though I've done most of the fabrication and the work myself, I've always had someone with similar skills that can help and get involved i got it back on its wheels. Got it rolling. My friend, Robin Wilkins at the car body shop said that he'd paint it for me. You know, how much do you want for painting it? And he said, I'll tell you what, if you work for me in the evenings, just help me out for six months, I'll paint the car inside the night. and out. And yeah, so, so he painted the car inside and out, door shuts, everything. It's a full, full blown respray.
1: Remember earlier when we told you about the MOT test requirement cars have in the UK? The Starlet now had to pass one if Josh wanted to legally be allowed to drive it. Given how hard he had worked on it, even if the car passed but received a non-mandatory advisory notice, it would have seemed like a failure to Josh.
0: Engine bay, the lot. I started bolting it back together, took it for its MOT and no no advisories. (laughs) (laughs) So I would have been pretty gutted if there was any. I I literally just used the car now. If it's nice and nice and dry and nice and sunny, it's now a tax-exempt car because it's now over 40 years old. So I don't have to pay any tax on it. I don't have to have it emotive.
1: And as Josh just said, in the UK, cars over 40 years old are exempt from road tax. But just how old is the Starlet now?
0: How many years exactly has the car been on the road? From 1979. 42 years.
1: And how many miles are on the clock?
0: Fifty thousand. I've still got Ada's windscreen sponge in the glove box, which she used to clean the window with in the mornings when it was left outside. And I have the receipt for the day she bought the car. the The receipt paper is cream, where it's so old. She traded in a car. I can tell you what's on the 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 receipt. So she traded in a car. She paid two thousand nine hundred pounds for the car brand new she had optional extras of pressed number plate and front seat belts you probably won't know this car but she traded in a gold humber scepter for it whatever that is she loved that car absolutely loved it and i made a promise to her i made a promise to her when i was there i said if you sell me this car i will restore it and i have
1: It's fortunate that Ada kept her car in such good condition because restoring it could have been much harder if more extensive work had been needed.
0: If I wanted to replace everything on this car, I believe it's impossible purely because you cannot get anything for them. You can buy serviceable item. You know, we're struggling to buy body panels now. You, You can't buy the front wings. You can't buy the bonnets unless someone's breaking one. Yeah, you, you'd never be able to rebuild one because you can't buy the panel from scratch. I mean, you know,
1: despite the new parts, Josh believes that his Starlet is still very much the same car. It was back when Ada purchased it over four decades ago.
0: The heart and soul of any car is the engine. That's, that's the heartbeat. And you know, when you think about it logically, it seems like I've replaced a lot, but I've probably only re- replaced five percent. So it's still 95% the original car and the engine is original apart from the cylinder head. So yeah, I believe that the the heart and soul of a car is, is the engine and she's still in there. It's still the original chassis, still the original roof, still the original glass engine, bonnet front wings, bulkhead, uh, rear panel, Boot lid. That's all still totally original. The the biggest thing was the rear wheel arches, and that's only panel replacement parts. So we're only talking, you know, three inches of the whole wheel arch shape dimension. That there is literally still a hell of a lot. I wouldn't even class that it's not the same car.
1: A lot of love and care has gone into this car, and through it, Ada's legacy is still living on, and that means something to Josh.
0: This car is a one-owner car before I took it on and it's born and bred and it's come from Radstock Road Motor Company, which is where we live. It, and so that's that's the reason why, obviously, I was able to see it when I was younger. She lived in the neighborhood, like you said, she bought the car, brand spanking new with her husband from Radstock, where I live, and obviously never left and owned the car till the day she died. So, and it's still in the area. It's never been out of the area. It's, it's a born and bred Radstock car and it's still here.
1: But there's more to this story than just Josh getting the car of his dreams. What about Ada's family and what the car meant to them?
0: So there's a bit more to this story. So I have finished the car in 2019. And I thought, Do you know what? It'd be nice to try and find this Brian who gave me the car. I put literally just Facebook status because Brian is local, but I'd say he lives down at Glastonbury, right next to where they have Glastonbury Festival. So he lives down there, which is probably 20 miles from where I live. So I just put a post on Facebook, you know, and I said, look, this is what I've done. I've restored the car. I'm trying to track down this Brian Derek so I can show him his mum's car and it just took off i ended up with something like seven thousand shares and i managed to get a number so i rang him and he said do you know what my phone hasn't stopped ringing for the last day with people ringing telling me about your story he said and i'd love to see the car i would love to see the car so i arranged a time and a date and this was last year actually right sort of in the middle of the year when our lockdown from covid slightly lifted so i was able to show him so me and my dad drove it down to glastonbury one sunday morning he's got a beautiful farm that he owns drove it down there and he absolutely loved it i was a little bit skeptical because the only part of what i've done to the car that is my touch is i've put a nice set of mini like alloy wheels on it which is the only bit that's not standard. I can change and put the standard steel wheels back on and it's standard, how it came out the factory. And and he thought that the wheels was the best bit. He loved it. Yeah, he absolutely loved what I'd done with the car. It's quite emotional for him because he hasn't seen the car for, like I said, eight years or whatever it was. He just thought that I just wanted it, you know, and, and he didn't actually realize what it meant to me already so yeah he had some of his family members down there that had sort of previously looked after it and and helped out you know his mum so his cousin or whatever had said that I, i can remember helping my auntie with that like you know doing some work on it for her and bits and pieces even even the family had had like a their own story with this car around the Radstock or sort of Somerset area this my car is a bit of a celebrity really should have a blue tick on it on Instagram yeah but it is the best thing mechanically best thing this ever happened to me and I will take it to my grave with me
1: it's safe to say that the starlet is in the hands of its biggest fan and his love of the vehicle is well known
0: i've got a canvas of it on my wall my fiance bought me a nice canvas for christmas of the car so yeah, she's beautiful.
1: And Josh isn't alone. Everyone who interacts with the starlet seems to come away feeling something special.
0: Everyone that, that sees the car, they always have their own sort of attachment to it and their own little memory to it. It's like she rubs off on everyone. She's definitely somewhat special.
1: So special, in fact, that Josh got a request for the starlet to take part in someone's special day.
0: I'm a best man for my mate Dan. Obviously, when, when we're allowed to hold like a decent wedding and I'm taking him to to the church. He's asked me personally if I could take him in the car. Dan is another real close friend of mine that was probably with me when I used to talk about dad having a starlet and he knew what a rear wheel drive starlet had meant to me. And he, he knows the car well.
1: This story all started with Josh's desire to buy the starlet. So how often do people ask if he'll sell it to them?
0: If I had, a pound for every time somebody said that to me, whether I've been filling up in a petrol station or at a show with it, I wouldn't have to work again. But, you know, I would like to keep the car in my family. You never know what's round the corner. You can't predict anything. It's my family's car. We've all got the same emotional attachment to it. And hopefully, you know, when I have kids of my own, they will have that same emotional attachment. As well. Hopefully they can love it as much as I do.
1: One of the places Josh's passion comes from is a simple love for older cars, something he hopes other people will be able to enjoy in the future.
0: I hope young people actually get to experience what an older car is like rather than being able to sit in a car, put your foot on the brake and push a button and it starts. Not this one. You know, you gotta put the key in the door, turn the key, then you gotta pull the choke out of the dash and let it spin over 10 20 times before the fuel comes back to the carburetor. Right and if you look at the steering wheel you've got two horn binnacles in the in the steering wheel in the actual siren symbol is the same way so they've just took the right hand side one and put it in the left hand side so you've got one horn up the right way and one horn up the wrong way for a uh, you know, a 1979 car. It's got H4 headlight. It's got a light on the dash to tell you if there's a door open. It's got some decent stuff in there that's way before it's time. One thing I particularly love about it is when I first got the car, I said to dad, I said that the rear windscreen washer jet doesn't work. He said, if you check the fluid, I said, yeah, I've just filled it up. He said, "No, they've got a separate bag in the, and it literally is a little water bag that sits in the boot, and that's your water for your rear windscreen." So I was filling up the front one, the one in the engine bay, thinking that that would work on the front and the back, but no, it's it's literally got like a little camelback sat in the boot. It's got some quirks, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I love it. You don't get the same fill with a new car as what you do with the older ones. I drove it to work a few times and, and I had a guy come over from the warehouse and he literally said, can I smell the inside? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, carry on. And he, he opened the door and smelled, and he was like, oh yeah. So <laughs> there must be an old car smell, you know, but everyone loves it. Like you, you can drive down the road and I'll take someone out with me and I'll say, you watch, every single person looks at it and they look at it and then they smile makes me proud. It's just some, yeah, I think everyone should experience an old car. You've just got to drive one. You've just got to drive one to to actually understand what I'm talking about. People that are that will be listening to this, like with me saying about the smell when you open a garage and the little quirky things you've got to do to get them running, how they run and how they drive, people will be looking at and listening, nodding their heads saying, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking. About. So I think everyone should experience it. It's amazing. You don't get the same connection with new cars. I mean, I've, I've got a car sat on the drive. It just, I just drive it. I've, I've got no emotional attachment to it at all. But this one, I don't even like bringing it out too much because I feel every time I drive it, it's, well, you, you're putting a little bit more mileage on it. And every time you drive it, it's a risk of, if someone loses control and crashes into you, it's break my heart. So,
1: Well, it's easy to see how the car's rarity can make someone anxious to drive it. It's also a pretty cool novelty to own something so unique. So you want to be able to drive it around so other people can see it.
0: I believe I'm the only one around this area that's got one. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm the only person in Somerset with a driving, running Mark 1 Toyota starter. It's definitely a story that will stay in my family for a long, long time.
1: What's clear is that the car means the world to Josh. And given what he's gone through with it, why wouldn't it? Cars mean so much to their drivers, and it's amazing when we can find the perfect one for us.
0: I suppose a car is a bit like a lifelong partner. You know when you find the right one. And I'm, yeah, very fortunate with this one. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. You, I think you've got to be a, a, a car guy, and you've got to know what you want. You can't just have that same connection with, with every car. You know, when you find the right car, you find the right car.
1: We want to thank Josh Brooks for taking the time to share such an incredible and personal story with us today.
0: Thank you for having me on guys, I've really appreciated it. It's just a shame that you won't actually get to have that, you know, real life experience with her. You'd get out of the car and you'd say, do you know what, I know exactly what Josh is talking about.
1: Thanks once again to Josh Brooks. If you've enjoyed this episode as much as we did, be sure that you're following the show on your podcast platform of choice or simply head to toyotauntold.com for all the info and links you'll need. We really do appreciate it when people take the time to uh, rate and review us. So please do so if you're enjoying what we're doing. And also, if you have any feedback for us, questions or just suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us cover on a future episode, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at toyota.com and we'll get back to you. As usual, all of these things will be linked in the show notes. So check them out. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I've been Kelsey. And I'm Tyler. And this is Toyota Untold. This podcast is brought to you by Toyota Motor Sales, USA Incorporated, and may not be reproduced or redistributed in whole or in part without prior permission of Toyota. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and our hosts and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Toyota. Please note that Toyota is not responsible for any errors or the accuracy or timeliness of the content provided used with permission, all rights reserved worldwide.